0: Today's scripture reading is First Corinthians chapter twelve verses one through eleven and chapter fourteen verses one through five. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you are led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability Ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up.
1: ...on edifying. To edify means to build up. And when I woke up this morning, or actually when I was reviewing my notes last night for this, I was thinking, I can't believe I'm going to preach this. Uh, this is a very difficult text to preach. It was a lot of explosively controversial material. And it's been a kind of intense week for me um, between VBS and bishop training and, and a funeral. Um, I, I can't, I mean, it'd be hard to preach this any week, uh, but it's, I'm preaching it this week. It really deserves probably an extended Bible study um, to, to go through all the different difficult issues that the different verses wake up. But I'm going to attempt to do this in one sermon. I'm going to look at that clock, guys. All right. So I'm just warning you, if I go a little long today, it's because there's it's a lot of difficult material in here. And I can't hit all of it. But today, the, my aim is that there's many churches, when we talk about gifts, I think that they, they're really the focus is off. The focus is not on the way the Bible is emphasized, the, the focus that the Bible emphasizes. And when I make this critique, I'm not just making a critique to one side or the other. So when most people think about gifts, they think of the charismatic churches or the Pentecostal churches, the churches where you, you see the people who do tongues or prophesying and, and miraculous gifts and so forth. And so they, those folks, they love to emphasize gifts. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm making a critique of them that I think their focus is off. It's not in what the scriptures are teaching. That there's a discourse here between chapters 12, 13, and 14 on the spiritual gifts. And their focus, I don't think, is exactly... It's not really emphasizing what Paul is emphasizing. But on the same side, I also think that the cessationist churches, and those are the names of the churches of the people who think the miraculous stuff has ceased that was only in the early church. There's a big debate within the church, and it divides a lot of Christians. I'm really not interested in, in addressing that issue today. Actually, the critique, and I hope that when you hear what what I I have to teach you today from these these passages, that you'll see that there's really a critique on both sides. There's a critique on the cessationist side and on the charismatic side, on the way they typically tend to handle gifts, because I don't think that's really what Paul is getting at in the text. Now, there's a lot of difficulties in this issue. I'll just try to get at them in in a certain way. And I'm going to do it in three parts. Part one, the complexity, the complexity of spiritual gifts. Part two, the problem with the church and gifts. Or maybe I should say the problems. But the problem of the church with the church and gifts. And part three, building up in love, building up in love. So part one, the complexity of spiritual gifts. Um, first, when most people read this passage or hear of this passage, the, the first thing they tend to do is get, they get sidetracked into these things. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. One is given the Spirit of the utterance of wisdom. Someone has a gift of faith. Someone has a gift of knowledge by the Spirit. And then later on in chapter 14, he talks about tongues and he talks about prophesying. Immediately, they jump into the particulars. And I think right away, when you start getting into that, you're already on the wrong track. So just follow with me now. Let's go to the beginning of the chapter and let's follow what he's saying. So for those of you who aren't aren't familiar, the book of 1 Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to a church that is highly gifted. Gifted with abilities, gifted with money, gifted with very brilliant, smart people. Corinth was one of the global cities of the time, not unlike Silicon Valley. And so lots of highly gifted people came into the church but it's also an incredibly dysfunctional church. And they were also gifted in spiritual gifts. And what Paul does in so... 1 Corinthians is almost like a manual for pastors and for church leaders on how to do church right and certainly how not to do church. And so he goes from topic to topic, and then once you get to chapter 12, he's hitting the topic of spiritual gifts. This is how he starts, follow. So this is where the first thing he says... When he wants to start talking about spiritual gifts. So, follow, here goes. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however, you were led. So, all these different idols that you guys worshiped, okay? Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. Most people, you may come across this verse and you like, okay, okay, whatever. It's an incredibly important verse. This verse three is key to understanding all spiritual gifts, I believe. Right? No one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. If a person has the Holy Spirit in them, is really working on them, that doesn't come out of their mouth. Is that in their heart? Is that in their mind? It doesn't come out of them. If a person has, is Jesus, Jesus is never put down by a person where the Spirit is working in them. That's just, it's, it's not that complicated, right? And many of you go, okay, of course. But then here's the next point. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, look, let me drop a little principle on you now that hopefully will help a lot of you. How can you know when the Spirit is at work? The Spirit does many, many things. Uh, but the Spirit's number one agenda is Jesus as Lord. <laughs> it's to give you, to cause you to believe, to cause you to exalt Jesus as Lord. Submit to Him, follow Him, treasure Him, love Him, bow down to Him, pour yourself out, because Jesus is Lord. There's a lot of confusion about this. I mean, Jesus Lord. That's a piece of doctrine. Jesus' Lord is not a piece of doctrine. <laughs> Jesus' Lord is something deep of your life. You know, everybody has to have someone be Lord. Most of us have a real problem with this. There's a Lordship seat in your heart, and the person sitting in it is you, <laughs> probably. And anybody who has a Lordship seat, and you're sitting in it, that person is a fool sitting in the Lordship seat. The good news is that there's someone worthy of that seat, <clears throat> Someone utterly good. Someone utterly gracious. Someone utterly worthy. That's Jesus. And you know who brings you to that? The Holy Spirit. The first thing, this, and this most people jump through these first few verses and they really get right away into the, the, the particulars, but they, they're missing this part. You want to know what the Holy Spirit is after? To help you get to Jesus' Lord. Make Him your Lord. Want Him to be everything in your life exalt him love him proclaim him that's the that's the agenda of the holy spirit now there's a bunch of different complexities as we get into this and i'm going to start getting to some of these complexities of the of the and the first question is what is a natural gift versus what is a spiritual gift and so so some of you are like what's a spiritual gift um some people can sing is that a spiritual gift (laughs) Um, My pastor can preach, but there are some people who really talk really well. So if a person is a really eloquent speaker, is that a spiritual gift or is that just a natural gift? And I think that's a very important question. That's the first complexity that I want to get at with you. But let me just say this first part. All gifts, and it's really interesting to me that even secular people call them gifts. I'm thinking, if it's a gift, where from? From Darwin? (laughs) Darwin's dead, right? right. You mean from chance? Chance doesn't give gifts. Chance just rolls the dice. And so well, what a gift has to have a giver. So it's always strange to me when secular people use the word gift, I'm thinking, um, then who's the giver? Who's the giver? Um, even unbelieving people use the word gift because they, there's something given to us that's special, and you're born with it. You didn't ask for it. You didn't even earn it. You just have it. You were... Somewhere between, somewhere between born with it and maybe your parents or your, you were kind of it was nurtured in you. Somewhere between nature and nurture, you have this, and we call this natural gifts. And and most people who don't even believe in God, they, they don't go well. That's from God. I was just born with this thing. And, but then they call it a gift. It's just really odd. Okay, I just want to just point out that little piece of inconsistency, all right? But let me give you an explanation. It is a gift, and you know who gave you that gift? The Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, was active, according to Genesis, in creation. And the Holy Spirit hovered over creation and gifted all the creatures with their specialness, especially that of human beings. And so the natural gifts, they're from the Holy Spirit, too, by the way. It's just that you don't know them. You didn't know that. But the Holy Spirit gives natural gifts to everybody because the Holy Spirit is gracious and beautiful and giving because God is gifting. God is gracious even to non-Christians. It's just that we don't call that saving grace, we call that common grace because it's common to all, even to not unbelievers. And so, a natural gift from the Holy Spirit too. But that's not the Holy Spirit's number one agenda. If the Holy Spirit's number one agenda is to help you move toward Jesus as Lord, you know what the Holy Spirit is? When everybody proclaims and knows that Jesus is Lord, you know what the Holy Spirit is doing? He's recreating what some of the theologians like to call it. He's taking creation and remaking it, reshaping it from its fallenness, from its sin, death, disease, and pride, and evil, to wash it. And you know how that happens? The Holy Spirit is sowing lordship of Jesus Christ. That's when the world will be remade. The world is moving toward recreation, and the Holy Spirit is doing that work and you know when you can begin to see the Holy Spirit is, where that work is happening when Jesus Lord. Because when the whole when the whole world will be remade and recreated with no more sin and death, recreation has been complete and everybody will say, everybody will gladly say, by the Spirit, Jesus Lord, that's the gift of the Spirit. So there may be a natural gifts and some of you are like, okay, so let's let me go let, let me get at this. natural gifts. well, do you know that the some people read this text of uh, the the utterance of wisdom, healing, miraculous works of miracles, the tongues, and they go, oh, that must be the complete list of the whole uh, of, the, of the of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of pastors and Christian thinkers who think this is like the complete list. I think that's that's nonsense. <laughs> that's not the complete list, um, because they think the only thing you can figure out by the whole it's got to be some kind of like churchly thing, and it's got to be some kind of spectacular thing, so this must be the complete list. I don't think it's an exhaustive list. Some of you think, well, just to give you an example, um, there's another place in Scripture where Paul says administration is a spiritual gift. Well, that's a funny one. That sure looks like a very natural gift, doesn't it? You have a person, I mean, the last I checked, a really good COO, I mean, it's pretty hard to have the job as a COO if you have not given a natural gift by the Holy Spirit of administration. Right? It's very hard to be a really good senator or or a congressman or a really good principal if you don't have a gift of administration. And yet, Paul calls that a spiritual gift. So there are some things that are kind of obviously natural gifts, like that's seemingly like a, a like administration or. Or something like maybe throwing a baseball 95 miles per hour. That, that's one I want. I wanted, but unfortunately, that God did not give that one to me. Right? I can barely throw a baseball 50 miles an hour. I think my son throws harder than I do. Right? Which is good. <laughs> okay. But those are natural gifts. And then some of you have heard of spiritual gifts. Um, well, like tongues, for instance. Some. Of, I'm not, let's not even get into whether. Uh, you think is real or not okay but it sure seems like wow it must be of God because the only people who seem to do it are the ones into Jesus and it's like must be like some God must have showed up and made something happen other things that you can you can believe are spiritual gifts would be something like preaching the one who really preaches well is like man I sure hope that's a spiritual gift because it better be more than just talking right right you, you're, I hope Many of you think, I sure hope my pastor got a spiritual gift of preaching. And I sure hope it's from the Holy Spirit. Because I don't know what I'm doing here otherwise. I hope so too. Mm-hmm. Although I don't really worry about it, quite frankly. I don't want hey everybody, show up at my church. I have the gift. I have the spiritual gift of preaching. Show up and check me out. I don't ever say that. You notice I don't ever say that? I don't even think it. I don't even care about it. We'll get to that. But there's natural gifts, there's spiritual gifts, and then there's like this gray area. <laughs> so, administration, spiritual gifts, when does it go from kind of natural to spiritual? Remember, it's all from the Holy Spirit, whether it's creation or recreation. But the, when does it become a spiritual gift? Because a, a person who does not believe in Jesus and born again, and thus the Spirit, born of the Spirit, and the Spirit indwells them. In, they're not going to have spiritual gifts. You can't have. They can only have natural gifts. Okay. Only a person born again with faith in Jesus Christ can have the spiritual gifts operating in them. I'll just give you a little picture of how I think this. How I think this works. All spiritual gifting is to drive people to to bless others unto the proclamation, Jesus is Lord. That's what a spiritual gift is. You want to know what a spiritual gift is? It's that. Whatever that's in you that impels you to raise up the banner and exalt Jesus, that's from the Holy Spirit. That's how you know it's from the Holy Spirit. And if it's, it's some special thing that you've got that really helps other people do it, that's a gift. That's an important spiritual gift. Right? Now, let's get into this. Is the gray area. So, So just to kind of get into this gray area, any of you guys watch American Idol? It's like, oh, there you go. There's a pastor. See song using American Idol illustrations again. I love American Idol, all right? Although I stopped watching it because my favorite dude is gone, right? Simon is gone. (laughs) He's the mean one, the truth teller. Now they have all these lame, nice people on there. I'm like, forget it. (laughs) I don't want to watch nice people like blow smoke up up people's butts who can't sing, all right? (laughs) So I don't want to watch that. But, um. It's really interesting. A person will get up there and they have a fantastic voice, great pipes, hit every note perfectly with power, incredible technical singer. And then you know what the judges do? All three of them, they all dump on this person. You ever see that? I've seen it. They're like, no, you're not a great singer. You're a good singer, you're not a great singer. You know what they're saying? You know what they're saying? This is they don't have theological language. But they're just saying, that's just like a natural gift, but you're still not a great singer. You really don't know how to bless yet. You know what they want from the singer? You believe the words. It comes from the heart, and it's in your face, and when it comes out, oh man, then it has real power to reach us and move us. You ever seen that? You know the difference, right? The person who is essentially like a machine and sings perfectly. Boring. But then the person who doesn't sing, who sings kind of imperfectly, but it comes from the depths of their soul. And there's power to it, right? Now, you can even still do that with natural gifts. But to do it for Jesus, that's spiritual gift. There could be two people up here who sing in praise. One person is singing with gift of the Spirit. One person is just doing natural gifts. The funny thing is the natural gift person might sing better from a pure talent perspective. But the one that will bless you, the one that will help you go, Jesus, Lord, is the one that's doing it in the spirit to exalt Jesus. That's a spiritual gift. See the difference? Very important. Let's move on a little bit. Let's get to verse... Four, other complexities. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Notice how gift and service is connected. Right. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Let me make the next point. There's a lot of people who think, okay, spiritual gifts. Okay, that's okay. Uh, pastor, he, he's, he, he can preach. And then there's some people, okay, now I'll believe it. Okay, someone's up here, he's really singing to the Lord. Okay, I guess that's a spiritual gift. You convinced me. Thanks, Pastor. And then you have some other people, they, maybe they can do prophesying or some other stuff. Okay, that's a little... But I, don't, I can't do any of that stuff, so I, I, I don't have any gifts. Wrong. <laughs> did, you show what the Bible, did you show what the Bible just said? That the same God empowers them in Everyone. Everyone who has the Holy Spirit, because you believe in Jesus, you have a gift. You have a gift. You have something from God. And it may be some God may be utilizing something in the natural, but then He takes it to another level. Right? Maybe it's not even natural. It's like you got saved, and then, like, and then He just pops something new into you. I don't know. Right? I mean, I used to be good at reading texts. But in the last five years, what I can see in the Bible is just going to another place, quite frankly. And I don't think it's because I'm smart. It's because somebody's there with me when I'm reading this thing. I think that's a spiritual gift. I didn't have it just because, oh well, Sizong, you're a really good literary guy, and you got A's in English and you were an English major, and therefore that's why you're so good at that. I don't really think so. I don't think so. But everybody has a gift. Now, I have this friend, he's a pastor, and he's a baseball fan like me. And baseball scouts have this language, they call it tools. And so whenever they like, assess potential baseball players, they're like, okay, can he hit? So tools are the desirable things that they, you know, abilities on the baseball field. Hit, hit for power, run really fast, throw, throw a ball really hard, okay? And I have a, and my friend, when, and, we were, and I asked him, like, hey, do you know this one pastor guy? And he goes, yeah, I know him. And you know, now I'm I'm also friends with this other guy that I mentioned. He goes, so what's he like? He said, oh, that guy, he's a five tool pastor. <laughs> and I, I started laughing when he said that because I knew exactly what he meant. And he meant, okay, that guy can preach, that guy can counsel, that guy can lead, that guy can lead praise, <laughs> that guy can that guy can like sit with you at the at, at, when you're dying in the hospital and may, and make you feel loved and love Jesus. I'm I'm sitting there going. Wow. As soon as he said, he's a five-tool guy, I'm thinking like, I'm like maybe a two-tool guy. (laughs) Maybe two and a half when I'm going good. Hmm? And that's probably what most of you do. I don't have any gifts. Wrong. You got a two-tool pastor. But you get Jesus in this church, don't you? Some of you may have one tool, some of you may have five. Some of you have five but you're only good at two of them. And you're only good at the third one every other day. <laughs> okay, and, and then the other two only show up like twice a year. <laughs> I don't know, okay? But it doesn't matter. That's not what matters. If you really understand what Paul is saying here, you actually stop worrying about the gifts. He has a discussion about gifts, but it's really interesting. It's really strange that people read this discussion about gifts and then they all get worked up and then old denominations fight over this thing. It's nonsense. When really, if you really see what the Bible is saying, he he really starts relegating the gifts aside. Really, Jesus Lord. (laughs) What do you got? To pour life into somebody else, to build them up, because that's what edify means, Jesus Lord. Use it. That's That's your gifting. Um. Let's see. Uh... Oh, that's it <laughs> for part one. Okay, all right. I, I'm just trying to be. I'm just trying to be concise here. Okay, let's stop for part one. Right, There's enough complexities. Natural, spiritual, ambiguous. I don't have any. Uh, I already know that some of you are thinking, "What are mine?" You're sitting there going, I don't have any, but I'm supposed to have one. But I feel like I got none. I must have none. But the pastor said, I have some. He must be right, but I think he's wrong. What are mine? Okay? I'm going to get to that in just a sec, okay? But let's go to part two of my message. The problem with the church and gifts. Okay? The problem with the church and gifts. Um, Let me uh, go to... um, Uh, let's go to chapter 14. Go to chapter 14. So we read this, chapter 14, verse 1. Follow along what he says. Most people, a lot of lay people never even read this. It's a really odd and interesting thing he says. Verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. You should desire spiritual gifts. That means you can get them if you ask for them, by the way. They're gifts, remember? They're not earned. They're gifts. Gifts aren't earned. Pursued love, desire the spiritual gifts. That's a pretty good formula for discipleship training, quite frankly. (laughs) But most people don't even know what to deal deal with that, all right? Especially, now listen to what he says. Especially that you may prophesy. Really? You're supposed to actually desire that gift and desire that you get to do it. And I'm going to get to that in just a second, okay? For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Do you see that word, upbuilding? Important word. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. He edifies the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so the church may be built up. You hear it? Here's another problem. One of the problems in the church is we all kind of want the the flashy gift. (laughs) That's that's a big problem in the church. We all like the spectacular. It's one problem in the church. Show me the spectacular. Show me the miraculous. The flashy. Prophesying. Now, I'm going to give you my take on what this text means. And to a certain extent, I, wouldn't, I don't normally say this, um, but this is my opinion. A lot of pastors disagree with me on this. So you may not necessarily exactly want to take it to the bank, but I think there's wisdom in what I'm saying, and I think it flows out of the text.
0: Right?
1: A lot of people think prophecy only has one meaning. And mostly, when you hear the word prophesying, you think prophesying means being able to foretell the future infallibly like God. So a lot of you think, okay, we need a prophet in this church. And so I want to go to that prophet and find out if I'm going to get that job. <laughs> Pastor, we're we really having a hard time having a baby. Are you a prophet? <laughs> if you're a prophet, can you tell us if we're going to get that baby? <laughs> so a lot of you think a prophet equals oracle. Because sometimes in the Old Testament, God did that, right? But let me tell you, that's not the only meaning of prophet, prophesying that's just only one range of meaning and it's actually the least important one in fact it's probably not important and in fact that's probably not what this text is talking about okay? so if you want an oracle um, don't go to church <laughs> and that's, you're, you're, you know, that's foolish quite frankly that's probably not what this text is talking about there's another sense of in the Old Testament which is a much more important sense what prophesy means which is to speak the word and will of God to God's people that's what it means Now, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Bible. So God would literally go up on the mountain. God would say something to him, and he would come off the mountain, and he would say, hey, guys, this is the word of the Lord. Knock the stuff off, turn to him in this way, I mean. And that was from God. You guys want to know what the ultimate prophecy is now? It's right here. It's right here. The ultimate word of the Lord comes here. But most of us aren't readers. You still need someone to speak it to you. And the guy who was really chosen by God and would give a prophet in the Old Testament, would really give the, these messages from God, he was considered like the, kind of like the, an infallible word. And a lot of people today, when he says, oh, you go to a church, this person has a gift of prophecy. You know what the problem with that is? There's one of the problems. Spectacular gifts. So then people start thinking, Oh, you know what? I'm kind of, the Bible is cool, of course, and it's important, but I'm going to hear from the prophet. <laughs> and so the prophet is supposedly, people start listening to what the, this guy has to say as if it's on par with the Bible. Let me tell you something. It's not on par with the Bible. If you ever go to a church and he calls himself a prophet, he's fallible, including the joker that you listen to, right up front, right now. He's fallible this book was put together by prophets to give you the most important prophesying ever to speak to you God's word and will which ultimately points to guess what Jesus is Lord (laughs) but still I think there is a gift of prophesying today and what does it look like I think it looks something like this here's what I think it looks like when a person speaks from God's word on the wisdom and truth of God's word into you and you and you Feel the burn of the Holy Spirit and it moves you. That's a prophetic gift. And I tend to think of it as more like kind of almost like preaching to one. It doesn't even have to be a pastor. I preach to a certain number of you every single week and some of you on any given week you're like, whoa. I, like, Susong is talking but I'm hearing it from God. You know what's happening to you? A prophetic gift is being Used upon you, you're receiving a power of a prophetic gift. But you know what? You could talk to a brother, and you'd be having a middle in the middle of a conversation, and you're in something hard, and then they start giving you counsel. They're not thinking I'm prophesying. (laughs) They're not going I'm a prophet. That's not what they think. You know what they're doing? They're just trying to bless you unto Jesus, Lord. And as they speak gospel, spiritual wisdom to you, you start thinking this this is truly from the Lord. This is going to bless me. I think that's a prophetic gift. So it's not like just a, I have it. It's not like a hit a baseball. You can do it. You can do it all the time. I don't think it's like that. I think I have something like a a prophesying gift according to this, according to the way I'm saying it. I can desire it and I think we have some of this in the church. But that doesn't mean it's on all the time. I'm just going to turn it on because I can do it. No. But it's because I have a conviction. And I stand on the word and take you to Jesus as the Lord. So that's the first first problem I want to give you. The spectacular problem. Hmm? Let me give you um, a few more problems. The problem of of ability. So we've got the problem of spectacular. The only gifts that count are the tongues and the prophesying and the miracles. And we go, oh, you know, that's miraculous. Therefore, it must be from God. Huh? But that really just basically means you don't even know how to discern the Holy Spirit. So I really want you to take home, I'm, I'm really teaching you today something really important. If you forget the rest of the sermon, if you remember, everything goes back to chapter 12, verse 3. I told you earlier in the service today that I walked into the VBS room. The room had a love and a joy that was like you could cut it with a knife. And it was all from Jesus for Jesus. When I walked into that room, I knew God was in that room. I knew it was, I knew it was an incredible moment. Some of you will walk into that room and thinking, well, some people love and some people get happy and sometimes kids get happy and sometimes kids are loving. Therefore, I don't know if God's in the room. Isn't that natural? No, it's not. Verse 3 just told you. Nobody says Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit was really in that room. And it's a really bad problem if you can't discern the Holy Spirit. And it's not really rocket science, quite frankly. It's not. I used to be really bad at this, but I'm really growing in this. It's not hard. I can tell from your face. I can tell from your heart. I can tell the way people are talking to each other if the Holy Spirit is there. Because Jesus, Lord, is there. But a lot of times... The spectacular is the only one we can discern. Therefore, that must be from the spirit. And then all these other things, they're not, they don't count. They're not spiritual gifts, right? It's nonsense. It's nonsense. Where the lordship of Jesus is being, it's like you can just see this thing going. The spirit's there. And his gifts are being poured forth. Now let's go to the problem of abilities. The problem of abilities is this. You define the gifts as primarily as something you can do. But there's a gift of faith. That's interesting. We're all supposed to have faith, but some people have a gift of faith. We're all supposed to have mercy, but some people have a gift of mercy. That's not something you do. It's something you are. But a lot of people think, a gift is something I can do. And you know where that, you know where that comes from? Because you're focused on works. You know why you ask that question? So it goes back to this question. Pastor, you told me I have a gift, but I don't see any. I don't know anything I can do. What's my ability? And you know why you're so, you're so fixated on that question? Because you're insecure. And you know why you're insecure? Because ever since you were born, you've had two things told to you. These two things are going to make you totally insecure. First one is, you are an accidental blob of biology. So if you're an accidental blob of biology, what worth do you have? So you've got to find some worth someplace, right? I mean, like you're an accidental blob of biology. Where's the worth coming from? From Darwin? Come on. Everybody knows that means you don't have any worth. Ants are accidental blobs of biology, and I step on them regularly. Come to, if you come into our house, they die, <laughs> according, to, according to grace, Thus says grace, and, and I will obey her on that one, okay? But do you know the second thing? Because, oh, you're, that's one thing you're told, accidental blob of biology. You know the other thing you're told? Oh, you're, 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 you're so pretty. You're so special. Oh, you're so fast. That's why you're so special. You, you can run faster than anybody. Oh, you did that math problem super well. Oh, you're, you're so great at basketball. That's why we're going to pay you a million dollars. So what we do is what is our gift, and that is what makes us special. That is what gives us worth. That's what we're so focused on. The gifting is what we can do. And it stems out of, it stems out of insecurity. But the thing of this, okay, we're fixated on the, on the spectacular. We can't discern the Holy Spirit. It's based upon your performance and your work. And so because it's based on your work, you know what you, you get. You start thinking about? It's about works righteousness. It's your performance. You're really good at performance? Oh, okay, there must be a spiritual gift. I must be going good. It's a gift, remember? You didn't earn it. But, okay, if I do this really well, then 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 I'm, I'm good and I have worth. The fact is you and I, every single day, we've been conditioned since we were born without the Holy Spirit to constantly find our worth in something we can do, some special little ability, and so then everybody is so interested they get so worked up. Gifts, okay, gifts. All right, I, I, I got to find them. i got, I got to find this out. Hmm? But actually, that's not what the Bible's talking about. <laughs> It's really interesting, isn't it? Because you're fixated on the problem of what you can do, you're actually already on the wrong track on how to think about spiritual gifts. Hmm. Okay, the problem is spectacular. The problem of not discerning the Holy Spirit. (laughs) The problem of abilities. The problem of works righteousness. Now, because you're focused on your abilities to fill your insecurity, and now so you can gain your works righteousness, now you're focused on the self. You're focused on the self. But did you note what Paul said? Now listen. Now let's get back to chapter 14. Paul says some gifts are higher. Tongues, that's a gift. I'll give you my two cents on tongues. I think it's real. I don't think everybody who does it is it's real in everybody. I think some people are faking it. I have a friend. He was praying over a, a sister who was deeply depressed and broken. In the middle of it, while he was praying, you know, normally like praying out loud, and then all of a sudden, he went blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was like, whoa. <laughs> and then he stopped. And he freaked him out. So he stopped praying. He was like, whoa. It said, like, scare the heck out of him. And then he went back to praying, and then he started doing it again. And then, then all of a sudden, then he started reading the Bible. and was like, oh my goodness, I just got a gift. And you know how I know that it's probably really of God? Because he did it for Jesus, to exalt Jesus, to love and, and bless a sister. It's for the Jesus Lord, and this guy deeply, deeply loves Jesus. So you tell me he got that thing. Some people were like, "No, I'm a cessationist. That doesn't exist." I'm thinking, well, that's pretty weird because a guy who deeply, deeply loves Jesus had a really weird event that he didn't even ask for. And that's a, a friend that I don't know. I know doesn't lie, so I believe it. I believe it happens sometimes. But when you pray in, the, in, your, in yourself, you're not building somebody up. You see the focus. The focus is not on self, what you can do. It's on building somebody else up. So my ability, my performance, my works righteousness, the thing that makes me special, oh, no, it's about me. It's already totally wrong. Focused on me, it's wrong. Um, and one more, before I move toward um, the latter portion of my sermon. It's focused on Pride. There's two types of pride, by the way. A manifestation of pride. I can do this. That's why I'm so great. Look at me. Look at me. Hmm? Or I can't do this. That's why I'm no good. It's still about me. I'm so bad. I'm so bad. I'm so great. I'm so bad. There's two forms of pride. A pride can be in a very puffed up person and a totally deflated person because pride is ultimately about self. It's about me. And if you're focusing on gifts, on ability, on the spectacular, what can I do? And then when you could do it, oh, you're puffed up. And when you can't do it, oh, you know, I don't have tongues. I'm a, I'm a, God must not love me. When it says that nowhere in the Bible. <laughs> there are people who are jealous of the people who have tongues. I used to be jealous of my friend. When he told me that story, I was like, dude, I want that. That would be cool. I would like that to happen to me. I would like to pray in the middle of it like freak me out. Freak me out, Jesus. I even asked for that a little bit. And then after then I read this, and after I started reading this passage, I'm thinking, well, that's actually pretty stupid. It'd actually be better to explain the Bible and a person gets it, and then they because Jesus, Lord, I want to live for him. That's way better. It's not even a little better. It's way better. There are gifts that build up. Let me give you one. How about Mercy. Mercy. Mercy is not even a thing you do. It's a quality of your heart. It leads to something you do. You do it for Jesus' Lord, that's a tremendously high gift. I wish a lot of people would want the gift of mercy. I absolutely long for our church to have the gift of mercy. Um, But we all want the thing that is about me. I get the special little experience, blah, 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 blah. It's about me, pride, no. Um, let me go to the latter portion of my message, building up in love. Go to, uh, go to the latter portion of chapter twelve. The latter portion of te- chapter twelve. Now, many, many of you, we're about to get into a portion of scripture that probably almost all of you have heard and know. Chapter thirteen. Have you heard of? 1 Corinthians thirteen. Any of you ever heard of this little passage called 1 Corinthians thirteen? You know what it's about. It's a very, very famous passage. It's all about love. Hmm? But this let's just, just, But if we take out all the, the the chapter markers, you actually will help you understand it better. It's it's. it's I actually think the chapter marker of thirteen. It it actually is a stumbling block to really understanding. Because this whole discourse on love, it's actually dropped right in the middle of a discussion about spiritual gifts. That's the whole thing is about spiritual gifts. And so, but let's just go to the end of chapter 12, and I want you to get this. So let's just go to verse 30. Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, the ones that edify? The ones that build up. And I will show show you a still more excellent way. Something even better than the gifts. Even better than the the edifying gifts. Let me show you a still more excellent way. And here's how it starts. Verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love... I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, you're really annoying. You're not music. Please get off the stage. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, you can move, I mean, a person has a gift of faith. That mountain, go from here to there. No love, nothing. Can you believe him just saying that? This is a discussion of gifts. A lot of people love to get into this 1 Corinthians 13. And you know where you hear it at weddings? You go to a wedding. And all these people, they're not even Christians. Because they just want to quote something profound about love. And this is the best one out there. Okay, this is the best, most profound thing out there. And you know, whenever I hear it, it always makes me want to roll my eyes and puke. You get down to verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. Does not insist upon its own way. And I'm thinking like, yeah, right. You're going to be like that after you get married. I'm married. <laughs> the last person you're patient with is your spouse. The, last pers- the, first- the first person you insist upon your own way is your spouse. So like anybody's really going to do this after they get married. Come on. It's nonsense. The real context is spiritual gifts. And this is what he's saying. And and it's incredible to me. I mean, I'm an intellectual. I love to read books, and I love knowledge. If I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries and all knowledge. No love, you're a jerk. It took me some years to learn that. My seminary is one of the premier knowledge seminaries in the world, Westminster Seminary. Let me tell you something. There are a lot of people there, they... They are incredible with their theology. Listen to the theology, and then I 'll say, "Brother, thank you now uh, uh, you should now read First Corinthians chapter thirteen verse two, because you 're a jerk, and you're not worth much to God the way you are with all your knowledge. So I actually kind of have a this love hate relationship with my seminary, Westminster Seminary. I love them for what they taught me, but at the same time, sometimes there's just not a love. A lot of love in some pockets, not all, but some pockets of the people who go who love that seminary because it's about knowledge. Look, you want to know what the excellent way is? We're talking about building up, right? Here's the excellent way the excellent way is to take whatever gift you have and build up someone and love them. Enough to help them move toward Jesus as Lord. That's it. And if you do that, the gifts will come out. The gifts will absolutely come out. Now, let me close with two points. One, a piece of advice, a piece of practical advice. And then two, I'm going to speak the gospel and we'll close this message, okay? One, a piece of practical advice. Some of you are still sitting there going, but I still don't know what my gift is, Pastor. What's my gift? I don't have any. So some of you are going, oh, is there a Myers-Briggs test for spiritual gifts? If there is, can I take it? Let me tell you, there isn't one. And if there is one, we should throw it away. That's my opinion. There's a couple books out there, and I'll read a couple of those books, and if I get something out of it, I'll let you know. But there probably isn't one. Here's my advice on you finding out what your spiritual gift is. What, I mean, you probably really don't need to know what it is. I actually don't quite know what mine is. I kind of have some idea, but I don't really worry about it. I never. I actually honestly never think about it. I really never think about it. I really, I know for that moment, you know, I, 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 I thought of myself as a two-tool guy, two-tool pastor. But... After I I thought about myself as a 2 tool pastor for about 30 seconds, then I shot it out of my mind. Who cares? Who cares? It doesn't matter. Because the Lord will use me. Here's my advice to you. Try stuff. (laughs) Isn't that profound advice? Try serving your brothers and sisters in whatever you can do. And if any of them ever go, wow, that was great, thank you so much. That helps me. It's so encouraging for me toward Jesus. You might have a spiritual gift there. If you do this, and then multiple people say, oh, that was really helpful to me, and it jazzes you up, it builds them up, it's building you up, you might have a spiritual gift there. That's my advice. You want to find out? Try stuff. Find out. Let me, um, and if you do, And if you do desire those gifts and you find out, it'll change your life. It'll be an incredible thing to run on your gifts. Now let me close this message. I know I'm going really long today. Um, The real problem with people is not their abilities. Hmm? The real problem is that they would really serve from the heart with real genuine love. That's, That's the hard part. That's the, really the hard part. In the world today, everybody thinks the only way we can get people to do stuff is to bribe them. Bribe them with status, promotion, right? Puff them up by patting them back in, 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 in our circles, give them money. But actually, to really build up from the heart, that's, that's the hard one. Because there isn't really, not nearly enough love in us. Not nearly enough servanthood in us. Which is why we don't build up very well. And I want you to think about Jesus. And here's the way I would like to give you the gospel today Is Jesus gifted? Hmm. Answer that question. Nod your head, shake your head. Is Jesus gifted? You bet your buns he's gifted. He's got some pretty important gifts, like almighty. <laughs> it's like omnipotent. It's a pretty good gift. I mean, LeBron can pass basketball. Jesus has omnipotent. It's like, dude, that's a pretty good one, Jesus. You know what most of you guys want? What you and I want from Jesus? You and I always want him to exercise his power gift. His gift of power. So when you go to Jesus, the questions are something like this. Jesus, Jesus, um, I'm feeling really low because we don't have enough money. Could you exercise some of that omnipotent gift? Snap your finger and the lottery. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to buy a ticket next week. And so, you know, the Powerball is up to $250 million. You know, Jesus would be really awesome if you just exercise some of that, like, power gift and go, Boom. And and and, the, and millions would drop into my lab. That'd be really great. Some of you say it a little differently. Jesus, I'm really depressed. You snap your fingers and just fix me. Jesus, I, I I'm I I keep looking at porn. You snap your fingers and fix me. Jesus, I really hate my wi- uh, my my wife. <laughs> Could you snap your fingers and fix her? I really hate my boss. Could you snap your fingers and get him fired? Could you snap your fingers and get me a new job in this terrible economy? These are the gifts you guys want. When you think about gifts, these are the gifts you think about. Even when we think about gifts, it's wrong. What is the gift Jesus gives? Jesus comes not with his Almighty, but with his weakness. And why did he come with his weakness? So that he would love us. And do you believe that Jesus loves you more because he's almighty or because he was broken for you? And he was a servant, Lord. You don't just believe that he loves you, you know he loves you because he was broken for you. He didn't do it by spectacular, he did it in weakness. In your weakness, just love your brothers and sisters and build them up unto Jesus as Lord. Then the Spirit will make the gifts come out. You don't have to worry what your gift is. We'll have an awesome church. You'll get really, really happy in this church when that starts to happen, okay? Let's pray. so backwards father so lost and confused lost in our low self-esteem because the only way we're going to gain self-esteem is with our works so i need to get the gifts as soon as we think we need a jesus plus gifts it's wrong we know we're not in the presence of the spirit because it's, the Spirit is that Jesus is everything. Jesus plus nothing. Jesus Lord, which is to say that Jesus is everything. And Jesus became everything, not because he snapped his fingers, because he came to serve. He washed our feet. He was born in a manger. He wept. He died on the cross he bled so that he would wash us of all this insecurity pride, puffed up pride, all this works focus instead where the Holy Spirit wants to take us to recreate us where Jesus is Lord. Lord, in this church, in this room right now, in our house, in our community, in our community groups, when two or more gathered in our name, Will Jesus be Lord? Will Jesus be everything? Will his servant be everything? And would you, Holy Spirit, pour out Jesus, Lord, an incredible love, and all the gifts would come out, the ones a little more flashy, and the ones not so flashy, and the, one's not so flashy and the ones not so flashy that you love, Lord Jesus, because it's built up. And we'll build each other up to be an incredible family centered on Jesus, powered by the Holy Spirit, pouring out with gifts, but nobody worries about gifts because we care about building up and we care about loving and we exalt Jesus. Would you do this in our church, Lord? Would you do this in our church? As we respond to you now, I pray that you would give a heart to every member here, every person here, to just set aside all the burden of themselves and their self esteem and their pride and their performance and their abilities and let you be everything and set their hearts to serve as we've been served by you, Lord Jesus. I pray for this in the servant king's name one who is Lord.